and welcome to the Sweet Spot on a Farm podcast. This is a part two of an episode number 16 and a second half of my interview with a very interesting young man, Liam O'Neill, aka the Prove It Guy. If you don't know what the Sweet Spot on a Farm is about and you wonder why you should listen to this, well, the Sweet Spot on a Farm is a podcast about healthy living, healthy eating, it's about health and it's about food. It's basically my search for an answer to how we can achieve a healthy body and mind with the resources that are available to us locally. What can we do to improve our health and how and what do we eat to support our health? This podcast brings you some interesting people who have a lot of cool information to share. These people can provide us with the tools we need to lead a healthy, happy lifestyle that is personal to each and one of us because we're all different. And it's also about food. Yeah, it's a lot about food. I ask my guests about their work, their passions and their diets. I wonder what they like to eat and make every one of them to share a recipe with us. Something we can all make easily at home. See? Food. If you didn't catch the last episode, make sure you go back and listen to it. Liam is a mentor, a coach, a martial artist, hypnotherapist, magician, corporate speaker, Reiki master, kinesiologist and also an author. In the last episode we were discussing barefoot walking, his life, his book and how he incorporates everything he learned in life from martial arts through magic, hypnotism, meditation and more to help his clients through a variety of issues to become whoever they want to be and to achieve anything they want in life. This is the second part of our interview. Enjoy! It does go hand in hand, doesn't it? Health and the body and mind. It's, um, it is one of the things that I learned quite quickly and one of the things that I used to laugh at as a child. My, my grandmother, was she was a very wise woman and when we were kids, she would always go around saying healthy body, healthy mind, healthy mind, healthy body. We were all like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. And now I'm like, bloody hell, I wish I had listened to her when I was a kid. <laughs> My <laughs> life would have been so much easier. So t- you touched a bit on, on diet and health. You obviously started with with the physical health and all, all the yeah. training and martial arts. And when did diet come into play? It, diet sort of came into play more when I was working with clients. I started to look at my own diet. My diet was possibly the worst diet I've ever dealt with so far. Like when, I, like I said before, I used to have food anxiety, so I used to only eat chocolate spread sandwiches, so Nutella sandwiches that were crushed and the cut, the crusts were all cut off. So I did that for about eight years. Um, I used to line my pockets with plastic bags and when, when people would give me dinner, I would fill the, the dinner into the bags and throw it away. I just didn't eat at all. I don't know how I survived. Um, and no one knew for ages. I had kept this like mostly a secret for years. No one caught on. Then I started to eat more when I, I moved in with Sheila. I didn't want to be rude and she was we old late, nice lady so I didn't want to be rude like the first meal she ever made was after I had taken a she used to have bullfrogs and I had taken a, a dead mouse off the radiator and watched her feed it to a bullfrog and then take a, a new dead mouse out of the fridge and put it on the radiator to heat up to feed the next bullfrog and then take chicken from beside the mice to cook for dinner so like she sort of opened my eyes to wow. I won't die if I eat in my head I, I like a my anxiety towards it would lead to death eventually. Uh, so then whenever she was feeding me chicken that was living beside dead mice, 
brain started to catch on a bit. But I was always slim. And doctors and everyone always said to me, eat whatever you want. You'll never put on weight. But they never said, you'll never put on weight, but you will, like, get high cholesterol. You will have, like, headaches. Your body will not function very well. So I used to eat terribly. Like, I would have 13 cups of tea a day with two sugars in each cup every day. Like, but that's not counting all the biscuits and buns and cake and everything and McDonald's and just everything was terrible. Like, my, my diet was atrociously bad. And I went to the doctor because I was, at one stage I was like mega ripped, like I was Bruce Lee ripped. And I thought, I'll go to the doctor and get like a full MOT to see how awesome I really am. <laughs> and I went and got my blood done and he was he phoned me and called me and I was like, Liam, your cholesterol's mental and your sugar levels are all over the place. And like, what is going on? What do you eat? And I described what I ate and he just was shocked. So I was like, right. So I cut everything down. I had plain rice and chicken. And nothing else. So I ate that for about four times a day for about two weeks. And then I started to add stuff to it and remember that I was actually able to cook back in the day. So I started to, to cook and it's just got, I've just tested more and more things. Like when I cut out sweets, sugar, fizzy drinks, all that sort of stuff, I noticed like I, I was very pernickety at my training and very like scheduled. I would have known like this workout I'm about to do today takes one hour and six minutes. And I did a workout that should have been an hour and six minutes, and then it took me 46 minutes, and I felt fresh. I must have did something wrong, so I rechecked it, and I was like, no, definitely did it. Tried it the next day, fresh, finished the day quicker. I just realized that without all the sugar and everything, I was better at what I was doing. And I could never put on weight. I was 9, 13, and nothing would put on weight. I was eating about 3,000 calories of sugar and nonsense, like just shite. Could not put on weight. Why well, cut all that out? I lost weight first because I, I didn't know anything about nutrition properly. I thought eating chicken and rice was the same as eating like a, a pizza. I used to get a pizza and a Chinese at the same time because I like smoked chicken on pizza. So I'd buy both. So I didn't know that a pizza and a Chinese was about 3,000 calories or something like that. Ridiculous. And a chicken and rice was about... 300 calories <laughs> so i lost weight at the start i went to the doctor again told him look i'm i'm losing weight and i don't know why because i was eating healthy and everything he told me that if i want to put weight on i should eat red meat and drink red wine i told him i've never drank in my life and i don't think like i've never drank before and i didn't think that was a good time to start and i wasn't a big fan of red meat at this stage so i went and did research on nutrition and realized that i was taking about 1200 calories a day in training about six hours a day so it just wasn't working. So I fixed my diet. And then I got on a Facebook group. Uh, Craig Galvin, one of my mentors for hypnosis, put me on a group, uh, Back to Basics. Um, they're all about, they're plant-based. And I started to research more about that and slowly ended up. My fear was always that I would lose weight. When I lose weight, I look ill. Like it just goes off my face straight away. I just look terrible and because i'm a skinhead i just look awful so i never wanted to lose weight and i worried about that so this is where the secret comes back and i always thought if i don't eat the exact amount of calories every day i will lose weight and i did every time i didn't eat exactly 2850 calories a day i lost a pound a day until i decided that that's not happening anymore and it doesn't matter what i eat i'm not losing weight it's like i would do fasting things like that now and it stopped i stopped losing weight i actually put on weight i'm heavier than i've ever been in my life now i'm about 10 8 which isn't wild heavy but it's heavier than I've ever been like I used to eat five kilos of chicken at least a month and I eat none 
I very rarely, like I'll eat a wee bit if my dad makes a roast chicken or something like that, I'll eat a wee bit of it, but not not a lot. A lot of my diet is plant-based. I don't even, I don't eat nuts or anything like that. I used to eat nuts. I don't eat nuts. Uh, and then the last three weeks I went dairy-free to see what that would be like. And it's well hard to explain. I thought it would be a really massive, noticeable change. I wasn't eating a while out of dairy. I was eating some cheese and stuff like that, but a wee bit of milk, but nothing dramatic. And now I cut all that out. My body feels clearer, like like there's no phlegm or something like that. Like it's, I don't know, it's, just, it's hard to explain that. Like the sh- taking out the sugar was easy to explain. I noticed it massively. So for the last three weeks, I've been pretty much dairy and meat-free, but I'm not a dairy meat-free. Like I would eat it if it was there. I just, want, I, I like to test things. And uh, I noticed a massive improvement in everything, my study, my thinking, everything from I cut out sugar my focus is went through the roof again back to how do i do everything that i do only recently have i decided to start to try to sleep more than four hours a day because i read uh matthew walker's book uh, why do we sleep and realized that i was killing myself so i need to fix my sleep only four hours a day i have if if even um i would done like wee micro naps two minute micro naps every so often close my eyes switch off two minutes which i teach in my book um I just could function really well without always have been able to function with very little sleep. So now I'm trying to do eight hours a night. Yeah, I need to do between seven and eight hours because I, for a while, I did about five and a half to six hours. But then even when I get really, really good six hour sleep, I wake up and I still look like I haven't slept for weeks. Mm. <laughs> I read his book the when he explains about the 90 minute cycle. That's why I was lucky. I was looking waking up at the right time I was waking up I was setting alarms or I was naturally waking at the right time of the 90 minute cycle whereas most people when you go into like six hours things like that they are waking up in the deep sleep so you're waking up groggy and feeling like you haven't slept because you're like dragging yourself out of sleep whereas I was waking up in uh, REM rapid eye movement sleep I was just fluking it uh, for years so that's why I think there was some days I'd wake up feel tired but most time I felt refreshed and ready to go and I would just go, I would work. And because I did bar work for years, like I have tinnitus from bar work, uh, which is one of the things I worked on for myself, my self-hypnosis, tinnitus, just a ringing in your ear. And I had it from just loud music and years of nightclub work. And then one day I was turning up and down pain for a person. Just whenever I teach people to be in control of their anxiety or their pain or whatever it is, I like to ramp it up as well so that they're not afraid of it anymore so they can control up and down. And I just thought, if I can do that with his pain, I wonder could I do that with a noise in my ear because I don't always hear it. Like, I'm not hearing it now when we're distracted and talking. So if my brain doesn't know what's useful, then it's only useful to stop me going out to nightclubs. I'll wear earplugs and all, even when I gig. Uh, so I just did self-hypnosis and put a wee, like, turnstile in my head and I turned it down. And now I only notice it if I'm extremely warm. And I used to notice it like 24-7. It was like a constant buzz. And now only if I'm really warm. So I just cool my body and it goes away. So I, th- I think, again, it all, it all interlinks and you can practice it for everything. Same as in hyp- hypnosis. And like Craig, my mentor for, for the hypnosis stuff, everyone has a technique for certain things. This technique does this. And then, like, this one's for smoking, and this one's for heights, and this one's for tunnels, and this one's for this, and this one's... 
our mind works the same way. Everyone's mind works pretty much the same way. There's science behind it. It works. So the same technique, 90% of the techniques will work for most of the problems because the problems all stem from some form of fear or anxiety a lot of the time. Um, even the tinnitus. The tinnitus is going off because it doesn't want me to listen to loud music or wear headphones or anything like that because it'll make it worse. Whenever, like I know when I walk into a nightclub or a gig that's going to be loud, it'll set off like a wee alarm. It'll go, hey, put on your head. It's basically saying, put on your earplugs because this is going to be loud. And then I thank it and go, thanks for reminding me, stick them on, it goes away. Whereas it should be louder because the only thing I can hear is what's going on in my head. And, and my ear um, so the te- so when we're going back to everything everything that I do is, is so interlinked that it can work with everything so if you came for anxiety I would teach you about breathing I would teach you about sleep and I would teach you about diet that's why I, I released a product recently called the forgotten secrets of common sense fat loss because most people want to lose weight and they want all these magical pills and all this, like, I went on Facebook, a rant on Facebook about this jelly stuff that you can buy now that's 30 calories a day and you take it for at least a week, but anywhere up to a month and you'll lose some weight. And I'd be like, if you ate 30 calories of ice cream a day for a month, you would lose weight because all you're eating is 30 calories. Like, you're killing yourself. Uh, and then when you go back, you've created all these negative behaviors and bad relationships with food that you're going to end up worse off than when you started. So I try to teach people about the difference between weight and fat. And again, my examples are random. I, I always will say to people, I could help you lose a stone within 10 seconds if you really want. And of course, they'll say, yes, that would be brilliant. And I take out my samurai sword and be like, put your arm out. I'm going to cut it off. I'm like, well, why would you do that? That'll be On the scale, that'll be a stone off at least. <laughs> like weight, weight is, is everything. Fat is what's causing you bother, not, not the weight. So if you focus on losing fat... And the most basic thing to do, and I tell people all the time, is chew your food. Chew your food does two things. One, starts your digestive system in your mouth. The amylase starts to break down the food. But two, it keeps you aware. One of the things that people say most who are overweight that I've worked with, and I've been doing this now 20 years, is I just don't notice. I start eating, and then the next thing the plate's cleared, and then I'll be picking off other people. I just, like, I just start eating, and then the next thing I've stopped. Chew your food 50 times. Your brain will be going one, two, three, counting to 50. You will notice every mouthful. Then you will start, your body has time to fill up, but also you're aware of the food. So now you can't use that excuse of just happens. Like no one would take that excuse if I was like, I don't know why, but every so often I just punch people in the head and it just happens and I'm so sorry, but I might just end up punching you. People go, all right, she so don't even know you're doing it, it's fine. But they'll take that in their own life. Like They wouldn't let me damage them, but they will damage themselves with every meal that they ever eat every day because they didn't notice. Uh, I don't know why I went in that rant either. But, uh, <laughs> so I think that all of it is intertwined. So people will come to me and they will say to me, but I've come here because I'm afraid of dogs. And I'll go, Ava, yeah, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of a dog for? What if it bites me? Have you ever been bit by a dog? Yes. How many times? Once. How many dogs have you met? I don't know. Fifty. So out of them 50 dogs, you met one bit you. So why are you taking the normal as the least thing that's ever happened? So then, is it affecting any other aspect of your life? I don't go for walks in parks. I don't go here. I don't go and do that. So maybe if we focus on why you would like to walk in a park, why you would like to do this, why what would happen if a dog bites you? Sore. And then what happens? Stops being sore. Right. <laughs> and then what happens? Nothing. 
And how would you feel if a dog didn't bite you? Don't know. All right. So then why don't you just feel don't know all right every time a dog comes until it bites you, then you can worry about it. So it seems so straightforward, but it's, it's describing it. So the same thing with when I'm talking about fat loss. How do you lose fat? Stop eating things that make you fat. It's really basic. But people go, like what? And like, well, what? Like, you know at least one thing that you eat that makes you fat, donuts. Then just eat one. Many to eat. Or like, I do an 80-20 diet. I don't personally, because my diet's a bit mental, but if I'm teaching it, I will say to people, 80% good, 20%, do whatever you want. Every day. So then if you eat a cookie, you don't go, oh, well, that's the whole day ruined, and then eat a pack of cookies. You eat a cookie and go, well, there's my 20%. I'll just start again tomorrow. So nothing's off limits. So, like, if I had a red button here and I said, you do not touch the red button, this whole conversation, you're thinking, but what if I touch the red button? <laughs> if I touch that? So you're saying, can I eat chocolate? Why not? Oh, makes me fat. Does it? What else do you eat? Oh, donuts and cakes and buns and sugar. <laughs> Does that do it? I have chocolate. Chocolate's my downfall. Do you really like chocolate? Yeah, well, why not make it your go-to food? Get rid of the other stuff. Eat it. When you want something and don't allow yourself to have it, you constantly are reminded of it. You're con- you're, the, the attraction to it's always there. And then when you get it, you feel guilty or something because you had a load of it. If you're allowed it whenever you want, it's not the same. You can eat your dinner and go, I'll just have a wee dessert after. Instead of if you're not allowed desserts till Sunday, every time you go out for a meal, every time someone makes you dinner, every time someone eats a dessert, you're angry or annoyed with yourself because you want one, but you're not allowed. And then on Sunday, you go completely off the rails and eat everything that exists because it's Sunday. And like it's like calling it a cheat meal or whatever. Um, whereas if you're allowed it, you don't want it as much then you're not craving it as much because you can have it if you want. So can I eat half a chocolate bar? Yes, because there's no guilt there. But if there is guilt there because you shouldn't eat it, you'll eat the whole thing. Because why not? You already started. May as well. Us as a human race are really funny because we we developed into a group of people who don't eat to live and to survive. But (laughs) we live to eat and enjoy food and Mm -hmm. that's just completely wrong that's our mentality and it took me years and years to realize and rewire my brain Mm -hmm. into thinking that I need to eat food that essentially fuels my body and makes my body work at an optimum level rather than wake up and think Ooh, what am I going to have for breakfast? What do I feel like eating and listen to my taste buds and just mm. make my whole day about having this awesome sugar-filled meal because my taste buds really like it. Yeah, It's incredible. And actually, you were talking about chocolate and the whole time I've been thinking, mm, well, why don't people, why don't you just make, make chocolate that you can actually eat that doesn't make you fat? Like the only thing that makes people fat in chocolate is the bloody sugar because yeah. chocolate isn't actually chocolate. It's incredible and people don't understand that. It's, it's like the whole way we think about food is just so wrong. <laughs> yeah, but it's why it's good that people like yourself are doing podcasts and writing up recipes and getting it out there. It's just, it's education. It's To us, what seems normal is crazy to someone that doesn't know it. So it's the, it's the education that's, like I try to educate people so that whenever they learn about the fat loss, they go away understanding, like understanding. Like I, I did it from a different angle. I, I learned everything. I studied why people are overweight selfishly. I didn't do it because I wanted to help people lose weight. I did it because I wanted to put on weight. 
So I was like, what is making people put on weight? So distracting yourself when you eat. So you, there, you will see me a lot eating and looking at my phone because I want, because I need more fuel, because I do more exercise. I distract myself, so I don't know how much I'm eating. So I do it on purpose. I don't drink water during my meal because I don't want my stomach to fill with water. So I do all the things that I would teach someone overweight not to do because I wanted to put weight on. And then I just stumbled across that, well, if I know how to do that, then I can do it in reverse. And I also then can help people with eating disorders because I understand food and I had a version of an eating disorder myself in the past. So you're able to, again, it all becomes comes full circle. I learned about the food so I could train harder because everybody was bigger than me. And the, my, my closest opponent was like 14 stone in the class that I trained and I was just under 10. So I wanted to put weight on so I would have some power when, when we wrestled. But then I realized... God, I feel better. My brain seems to work better and everything's good. People fix their diet. It's not even, for me, it's not even about the food. I don't care what people eat. But whenever you start to eat healthily, like I would always say to people, add health into your diet instead of trying to take away negativity. And you'll notice, God, that day I made that healthy crumble, didn't feel as sluggish. Everything worked better. My system worked the way it should have worked. And the next day I woke up feeling fresh. And then last night I had banoffee pie for dessert. I'm waking up today sluggish and tired and I feel like I need my coffee and I need... When you need something that's that's bad, like you, you need your morning coffee to do something, you shouldn't need anything to do that. You should. We only need certain things like water and, and food to fuel us. We don't need stimulants. Like if I woke up every morning and I said, I need heroin just to get me through the day, people would be like, oh, that's not good. That's bad for you. I'm like, people are doing it with coffee all the time. And they say it doesn't affect your sleep. Like coffee stays in your system for 36 hours, roughly. So even if you haven't had coffee today, but you had it yesterday, it's still going to affect your sleep because you're still dealing with the after effects of, of caffeine. Uh, but it's just the norm. I go on a rant in my book about coffee as well, but it's just so normal for people to... Coffee's just... I need coffee to do anything. And people are like, I'm the CMI. It's like smoking. It's it's just all in the head. I kept telling my mom. My mom used to be a very heavy smoker for years. And she would never stop. Although every year she would say, oh, I really need to stop smoking. And I kept telling her, you know, if you really wanted to stop smoking, you would have stopped. So mm-hmm. stop saying it because deep down, you don't want to stop smoking. And yeah. that's fine. But at least you're lying to yourself. <laughs> And another thing is, like, you know, you don't actually need to smoke. Like, the only reason why you're smoking is because you, you just don't know what to do with your hands. Yeah, it's like, habit. <laughs> that's all it is. And it, it, it's in your head. Like, you don't need the cigarette first thing in mm-hmm. the morning. And you don't need the cigarette last thing before you go to bed. It's just something you like doing. So yeah. don't say that you need it. You don't. You just want it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's breaking the habit again. I, as first question I ask to anyone that comes to me for smoking is, do you want to quit? And if they give me any other reason, then if they don't say yes, or if they say, my wife sent me to do this, or the doctor said this, I will just refuse to work with them. Yeah. No, you don't want to. It's a waste of my time. Move on. But then I'll talk about addiction and habit. Everyone tells me it's they're addicted. But addiction, the way addiction works is, if, like, we'll just go back to heroin, because I mentioned it a minute ago. If I take heroin, so for easy math, I take five milligrams of heroin. The next day I take five, don't get the same hit. I crave more. So if I was doing that for 20 years, I'd be on like, a, I'd be dead obviously, but I'd be on like 100 milligrams if I wasn't dead. Whereas smoking, you go, well, how, how many do you smoke a day? 20. How long have you been doing that for? 20 years. So why is the addiction not get worse? Why, why have you just stopped at 20? Why is 20 enough? And then I'll say to them, how many could you name 
So out of the ten, the twenty cigarettes, how many of them could you name? Like the before morning coffee one, the before I go on my lunch break, all that. So you can name about fifteen out of the twenty. So just break those habits. It's just a habit then. So like, what would happen if you got to work and you had left your cigarettes in the car? How many would you smoke then if you had to go to the car? Because we're a lazy. We change everything. We're lazy. Like we sit and if you have to walk to the car. I don't know, probably wouldn't, I wouldn't go at lunchtime, like, it's, good, but, uh, it's the same as, when, like, a lot of tests have been done where, seeing how many snacks people eat at work, and they put snacks on everyone's table, and everyone sits and eats a snack, and then they put a table over in the corner with snacks on it, and people barely eat it, because we're lazy, we won't do it, if it's, if it's slightly out of reach, we're not going to bother, so, create, creating a different habit, putting the, the cigarettes in a different pocket, then you don't have that normal habit. So you, you've had to, th- to consciously think, oh, they're over here now. And then whilst you're doing that, you're thinking to yourself, why am I doing this? Or when you're smoking, I do it all the time whenever I'm working with people or I'm at gigs or I'm doing smoking area stuff or whatever. And I'll say to people, how much of that do you actually enjoy? And I'll go, Try, start it up there. And they've not said to me they want to quit or anything. And I'll be like, start up your smoking. You probably enjoyed that first strike. It was probably nice. But what about this one now? What about this? And by the time we get to four, they end up throwing it away because they're annoyed at me constantly going on at them. But they realise they're not getting any enjoyment out of... It's the habit of we've lit it, we've done everything. It's like they think it helps them relax, but if you ask most of them, do they actually relax? They don't. Like, they just... takes their mind off what's stressing them for that moment. So there's so many easier ways of doing that. Actually, talking about smoking, that, that's only some of the examples of work that you do. Mm. So... I guess that you probably get a very varied um, yeah. diversity of, mm. of clients. Could you give me a few examples of, of the work that you do? What kind of clients do you get? Mostly at the minute, mine seems to be anxiety is the main is my main focus. Anxiety and fear, but anxiety and fear incorporates everything. So people drink because they're afraid or they're anxious or they smoke. So I've worked with people and a lot of different addictions. I've worked with. Um, a lot of different anxiety. I work a lot with kids that, like my youngest was five and, and she had said to me that she doesn't know how she should feel. Like she had anxiety and didn't know how she should feel and, and cried at the end of the session because I allowed her to cry. I was like, you feel whatever you want. What do you want to feel? I feel like I want to cry. Cry. And then she cried and then I said, how do you feel now? And she's like, I don't understand. I cr- I'm crying but I feel happy now. And you're like, well, that's because you're letting go of whatever's holding you back. You, you're... So you work with that with um, emotional control is something that I teach a lot. So it's controlling without being in control without being controlling, which is a completely different thing. Uh, relationships is something I work a lot with, um, teaching people how to communicate in the relationship, how to develop a better understanding of each other so that the relationship has, to me, the most important thing of a relationship is communication. And second to that is sex. So if they don't have communication, they're not going to have that. If they don't have that, they're not going to have communication, which means they're not going to go anywhere. But again, that can stem from anything, from anxiety, from from overweight, from underweight, from, from everything. So I work with food as well. I work with a lot of sports people. So the sports people I've worked with recently is a, a motocross guy, um, a rally driver, three MMA fighters, uh, and a boxer. And then I've worked with pole dancers and gymnasts and things like that. Again, I, you discover the same thing. A lot of people will say to me, you're real lucky you get to work with fighters and stuff. That must be amazing. And it is amazing to be in that environment. And 
whenever you like one of the fighters I worked with, I do a thing laser focused visualization. So we pick how you would like to win. So if I ask the fighter, how do you want to win the fight? They'll say, oh, I just want to win. They go, well, do you want to get hammered for five rounds and then win at the end with an arm bar? So you go home, busted, clean open, but at least you got the win. Oh, no, I wouldn't. No, I prefer to not get hit. So how would you like to win? I'd like to knock him out. When? Oh, I don't know. Well, would you like to knock him out after five rounds of being hammered around the place? No, earlier, first round. So then we pick, so we picked the exact step-by-step guide to how he wanted to win. He wanted to touch gloves three steps backwards slip to the whenever the opponent came forward slip to the left overhand right knockout and that's what he did in 37 seconds completely knocked the guy out but i work with fighters and sports people and they all have different anxieties they all have problems with their diet i worked with a fighter once that had refused to fight because he didn't want to speak in front of a camera and he knew he would win and when he won he would have to speak in front of the camera so he just refused to fight so everybody's the same we look at everyone, like look at all the celebrities and the superstars and the Instagram models and all of the lies that you see on social media and you think these people have their life together and you look into it a wee bit and they've all had mental breakdowns. They're all either on some sort of drug or they're cheating in some way to get to where they want to get and they're only showing you the highlight reel of, of their life. No matter what people come to me for, I try to focus on everything. I try to get their mind and their body working in, in connection with each other. So communicate, back to communication, I said that about relationships, but a relationship with yourself, you don't communicate with yourself, then that's where the recognized describe comes in. If I'm not able to sit and go, right, I'm stressing here, why am I stressing? Well, because you're about to go on stage in front of 3,000 people, you should be a bit nervous. Oh, I right, enough, good man. Then I go on stage, and, I talk, and I'll do it, and people have been backstage with me talking to myself. What are you freaking out about? You forgot the deck of cards for the first trick you were going to do, so you had to make a new trick. So that's why you're freaking out, you haven't practiced this. And people are going, who are you talking to? Myself. Why? Because I'm freaking out. I don't want to calm myself down so he knows what he's doing when he gets out there. And then I go on and my stage persona does what needs to be done. So you work with everything. Fears, phobias, basically anything that, that is holding you back, probably work with. The only thing I haven't worked too much with is PTSD because I don't have a good enough understanding of it. And when I researched it, it was so um, complex that I didn't trust myself to do it, so I will send people to Craig whenever they come to me with PTSD because I don't want to... I will never work with anything that I haven't studied enough about that I know I can definitely help you. Like, anyone that comes into me, I think I personally can help them, and if I can't, I will find someone that can. Same as when I'm on stage. Like, I get asked questions on stage, especially when I talk about food. Whenever I get into food and nutrition, I studied everything. And then I realized, same as muscles, you don't need to know the name of muscles for normal people. And you don't need to know the name of all the digestive enzymes and, and everything. People just want to know how they fix themselves. My shoulder's sore. So I used to learn every muscle in the shoulder when I did kinesiology, everything. And I would say to you, oh, it's your delt that's going into your rotator cuff and blah, blah. And people would look at me going, what? And then I would go, your shoulder's sore and I'm going to fix that. And then they go, oh, aye, my shoulder's been killing me. And it might actually be their pec, but to... And bunny ears every time I do a normal person... This, is, this whole area, their whole from their chest right up around, is their shoulder. This is the chest, now all of this stuff, shoulder, and then this bit's my neck. When you start to explain step by step, it just goes over the head. They don't care. They don't want to know. So I stopped using the name of muscles. I just started saying your shoulder, your shoulder blades. I used to say scapula, and everyone would go, what's a scam? You scapula? What? I'm like, your shoulder blade? Why do you not just say that? 
Like, because I studied for years to know the names of all these, I wanted to use them. But there's no point. So whenever I work with anyone, I try to incorporate everything in, in the most basic way possible. So if I'm on stage and people ask me a question I don't know the answer to, I will happily say to them, sorry, I don't know the answer. But I will find out if you want to leave me your email address or contact me on Facebook. I will find out. I will find out, or I will find someone that knows, and I will get back to you. Whereas I've seen on stage people get asked the question, they go, "Oh, it's a bit deep for what we're talking about. I'll get back to that if we have time." And they move on, and you're thinking, "You don't have a clue. Why not just tell people? Like we're not supposed to know everything. I don't know everything. That I, like people come to me with different medical problems, and they'll name something, and I'll just look at them and go, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's." And I can't, like I've had people coming across with different neuron problems and different injuries and, and specific injuries to tendons and stuff. And at the start, you're looking at them going, I, like I, and I'll have no problem taking my phone out. I'm going to Google that whilst you're there just to see if that helps. Like the first time anyone ever came to me with fibromyalgia at my Tai Chi class. And I was like, fibromyalgia, what? what? They're like, fibromyalgia. And that was at the start when doctors didn't believe fibromyalgia even existed. They thought it was all in their head. Even at that, I think you should still work with them. Even if you think it's in your head, it's still affecting you. The body, same with anxiety. The thing is imagined. It's not an actual real solid object that's causing, like, you're imagining a dog attacking you. So it's not real, but it's real to you. So it's affecting you. So if I just go, that's not real. Catch yourself on. There's no dogs in this room. Move on. That's not helpful. Whereas if I go, I understand that it's fully real to you, but do you understand that, that it's imagined? And then one of the lines I use a lot is, you can use your imagination for anything. Why not imagine it for good? Like, what dog do you like? The dog from Men in Black was cool. Imagine the dog from Men in Black came in and had a wee chat wee about how dogs aren't bad. You know, when it changes the pattern, it makes that, that's a funny analogy to think of. So then the next time they go back into their memory of dogs, you can't not remember that I had that wee story about the men and black dog having a wee chat with you about how dogs aren't bad. So then you think about the dog that, that is going to eat you, and I go, but imagine that dog that was going to eat you was actually the men and black dog, and he was just initially shouting at you because you made a mistake, and now he's telling you that you didn't make a mistake and it's fine, and he's wearing a, a funny hat. A funny hat, but it makes no sense, but it's the bit that ends, like you're nearly, they're nearly laughing and they're sort of looking, and then you go, funny hat, and then they, they know that I'm not serious and they can relax. But now when they go back to their memory, because of the way memory works, when they go back to that memory, they have to, re even though they're remembering a vicious dog, they have to remember the wee man and black dog coming in and going, oh, he's grand, he's just a bit hungry or, or whatever. Uh, so it changes that pattern. So an answer, basically, this is the one problem I find with my work, is it's so vast that you can help. People go, oh, but you couldn't help me. And I'm like, why are you special? This, oh, that wouldn't work with me. Well, then you should be in a medical journal because it works scientifically with the way the brain works. So if it doesn't work with you, you are one in a trillion unique. And that's the problem. It's so vast that people just think that wouldn't work for me. But my the example I use for that is healthy food. So you say unhealthy food wouldn't work for everybody? Oh, no, it would. So vast things can work for it. What are you talking about? I would. But would it work for me? And then they're willing to open up and try. So everyone is the... Is the short answer. <laughs> I don't seem to have a short answer, do you? Nah. <laughs> we did talk a little bit about diet and health. I, the more I think, the more I look into it, this, that um, food is such a personal thing. And 
there's no such thing as, as, as a generic healthy diet. No. I think everybody is so unique. But um, you were talking about going plant-based mm-hmm. recently. How, how do you feel? I, I, do, I do feel clear. I'm like mentally and physically, my body feels, feels cleaner. I loved cereal. And it would, cereal would have just been my go-to snack whenever I'm just... And you would have found me wandering about the house just eating a bowl of cereal. And people were like, you just had your dinner. And I would, I would be like, oh, I just really wanted some cereal. So, and when I was younger, during the phase of me just eating chocolate spread sandwiches, I would have drank a lot of milk. Three litres of milk a day, roughly, is what I was drinking, which is a lot of milk. So I would have, it would have been flammy and things like that. I would have had a lot of um, pineapple to get rid of the phlegm, stuff like that. But now I just noticed, like, nasally you feel clear. I never would have noticed even feeling like until I stopped taking it. That's why it's hard to explain because it's not dramatically massive. The go, Taking off the meat and, and the sugar and the sweets and all was dramatic. Like I noticed a massive difference there in my life. But the milk just adding that. And it could be because everything else was so clean already that maybe it's just added. Maybe that's why it's not a massive... Like if you went from eating like a, most people's diets are to no dairy, it would probably be massive. But because I wasn't eating a lot of dairy anyway... But I know I just noticed it just feels clear. It's really hard to explain, but it feels. No, I do totally know what you mean because well, dairy is quite inflammatory. Yeah. Um, Mucus forming, like mm-hmm. milk in particular, and I do notice when I started taking uh, probiotic food and drink, I used to make kefir with dairy milk. But my body kind of, it, it was accumulating in my body, and I started to feel I had mucus in my throat mm-hmm. all the time. And then as soon as I stopped the dairy milk, it, it all cleared. Uh, it and clears it, pretty quick, doesn't and it? It, yeah. it? just and, and then you suddenly feel, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be feeling like. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I completely forgot how that feels. This is awesome. And then occasionally I would, um, if I see a really good raw goat's milk kefir somewhere, I would buy it and then I drink it. And then yet again, mm. I would have that mucusy feeling in my throat. I'm like, right, this is why I stopped drinking it. I yeah. not drink that again. <laughs> so what, so what, milk do you, what milk would you take then if you were... So I, I use coconut milk. Mm. I use coconut milk. I used to do a lot of almond milk, but I I overdone it with almonds, so I'm off almonds now. And I would either make hemp milk, mm. so I would just soak up um, hemp seeds overnight in spring water, and then just blend it together with a bit of vanilla bean powder. Cool. Or I just take coconut milk, and um, if I don't have that, I would just blend a wee bit of coconut butter in spring water and make my own coconut milk. Yeah, I love coconut oil. I put it on everything. Yeah, I know. I actually stopped doing that because I read research on coconut oil. But it's a whole other topic. I might actually find an expert on, on this. And, and, and But if anybody is interested, find the research papers on MCTs mm. and coconut oil and, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Look up uh, nutritionalfacts.org. He does a lot of stuff on that. He's he's brilliant. Even his live Facebook lives, he's normally walking on a treadmill eating a cart. <laughs> uh, but he, he does a lot of research on, on all that sort of stuff so that's where I, where I seen the coconut oil wasn't as good as they were claiming but there was no way it could have been as good as they thought like they were telling us it was um, pure sad. MCT oil is, is, is a very different story but saying that pure MCT oil is pretty bloody expensive and I know because I buy it twice a month <laughs> it's I'm, I'm very again I'm super grateful that I can actually do that yeah but um, yeah, <laughs> but it's a whole other topic. Now tell me this: since you become plant-based, mm-hmm. this is my favorite question I ask everybody. <laughs> what is your favorite vegetable? Not because of the name of the podcast, but sweet potato. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're my favorite now, officially. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> <laughs> 
how do you make your sweet potato? How do you eat it? Like my dad told me off one day because I eat so much of the same sort of vegetables and stuff that he thought my diet needed to be more varied, even though he was eating like ridiculous stuff. But so my sweet potato, the one that I love the most is I call it the poor man's potatoes. So I cut up the sweet potato and then I just mix it with coconut oil, rapeseed oil, uh, ginger, cracked black pepper and a wee bit of rosemary and just toss that up and then just uh, roast it. I would eat it nearly, I think I eat it every day, pretty much every day. Right, <laughs> But, I, I, but I, I eat all the other stuff as well, but that would be like my snack. So I would just eat it as a wee snack. I also make sweet potato pancakes. I went through a phase of eating them once a day as well. <laughs> oh, you have to give me a recipe for that because that sounds awesome. This is where my re- my rest my the problem with my recipes are I cook by eye, so everything I don't have a the exact ingredients, but the the sweet potato pancakes I would steam the sweet potato, and then blend it with and then blend it with um, coconut oil, and a wee bit of vanilla extract. And then maybe cinnamon or whatever, whatever mixed spice that you you want, and banana. So I blitz the banana as well, mix that up, and then cook that. I also make. I've actually started buying sweet potato wraps. Have you seen them? No. The wraps made out of sweet. They're deadly. So at the minute, I've been making a sweet potato wrap, and surprise, surprise, I spread coconut oil on the wrap. <laughs> <laughs> I made my own sweet potato wraps actually. See, I thought about that, and then just happened to come across the ones that were already already made. Already well, made. Magic. <laughs> and I was like, "This is what I will do." So I make. I use um, vegan cheese and peppers, and make a wee pizza out of it. So it's nice. And then the, the other thing I make is sweet potato flapjacks. They're my go-to. If I'm gigging or if I'm traveling and one of the runners that I work with, to keep his stomach, he does like endurance running, so he might run for 24 hours or something ridiculous. So to keep his stomach right, I make him these flapjacks as well. So the flapjacks are, again, steamed sweet potato, then four bananas blitzed with orange, fresh squeezed orange juice, and then I blitz oats and desiccated coconut or the strips of coconut, but I can never find them anymore. But the strips are nicer than desiccated. Uh, blitz them together, mix all that up, and then put cranberries and blueberries into it, and then just cook it. They're lovely. But that then sounds I... really nice. Do you know what? That actually sounds like something you shouldn't have to cook. Yeah, but I like the top to be like... Crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> They're the things I would I focus on most. I did think about this because I listened to a couple of the other podcasts and you were asking. And I was thinking it was going to seem like I'm going to just say sweet potato because it's your podcast. But that's why I thought I'd throw all those recipes. Um, but generally I use sweet potato every at least once a day. I will eat sweet, uh, sweet potato like all the time. Do you know I, I used to do that as well and I really miss it. And then I really messed up my... Uh, my um, my gut flora by just overeating stuff that I really like. I'm just, yeah. I have a really addictive personality and I, <laughs> when I like something, a bit like you, I would eat it every day and I would eat all the time. So it was avocados and asparagus and obviously sweet potato and mm. butternut squash and pumpkins and all that stuff. And I would just overeat this and I really messed up my my microbiome. So I had to go on this low FODMAP diet because I, I was just eating way too much fiber. Got to the point when my body was just you know what, screw you, I'm not doing this anymore, (laughs) you're not allowed. So I went on on a low FODMAP um, diet to to kind of clear it and balance my gut again. And I really miss it because now I actually can't tolerate 
stuff like that and I can all tolerate only very little sweet potato and not every day so I'm sort of like sweet potato withdrawal symptoms yeah. <laughs> I'm just like I my, my yeah. taste was like I want some sweet potatoes yeah. but then my gut is like no don't you dare putting any sweet potato in yeah. your body I don't know what would happen because even my soup has sweet potato in it I oh make, my god make I make my own soup and it's, it's yeah. sweet potato everything breakfast cereal porridge soups sweet potato curry oh my god <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my taste is crying right now but I uh, hope it'll be over soon and I'll be able to eat that again I actually I was so desperate that I recently developed a raw sweet potato and a maca um, square sort of like a like cereal bars type of thing mm -hmm. but I don't use any cereal because I'm grain free I'm kind of carb free person right now I discovered finally after years of searching I discovered really good personalized diet cool. but like you I could never put on put on any weight mm -hmm. at all until I discovered slowly but surely kind of stripped everything down to the fact that I'm not a carby diet type I'm the complete opposite. I, and which is quite hard to, to to have to do when it comes to varied diet. It's quite hard to be like that on mm -hmm. plant based. Yeah. But anyway, that's great. Sweet potato recipes. Wow, I, I'm, I can't wait to get that typed up and share that. Uh, sweet potato pancakes are absolutely awesome. Well, I think we covered pretty much everything. I couldn't find nobody asking any questions. People are really shy. Yeah. When it comes to asking questions. Even though it's 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 completely anonymous. Yeah, I think I think the problem is that people people don't know what to ask. Yeah. So at least when they listen back to this, they could, they can you can always send in questions and and we can hook up and you can send me them or whenever you read the book, we can come back and answer those questions as well. And do oh, another that would one. be actually great because I'm sure when I read the book, I'll have myself probably a mm. lot more questions. But this has been great. I'm really thankful that you agreed to come on the podcast and especially for having me. So thank you very much. Thank you for the chat, the recipes, and perhaps we'll do this again. Yeah, brilliant. And if any of your listeners do want to contact me, I'm very open for contact. So Actually, they can that find is me. an important thing. I nearly forgot. Thanks for reminding me. If somebody wants to contact you, how can they do that? Um, I have a website called Limitation is a Mirage. And I'm easy found as the Prove It Guy. So you'll find me through social media, uh, Facebook or Instagram. I'm very bad at Twitter. But Facebook and Instagram, you can get me, and I'm very open to questions. And if again, if I don't know, I probably know someone that knows the answer, so I can go and find out. But I, if you have any questions, just approach me through that. Brilliant. If people want to buy your book, where Limitation is a Mirage website, they'll get it there. But they'll, they'll see it in the posts on Facebook as well. Um, it's on ebook as well as well as on hard, hard copy, so paperback. You can buy both of them on that website. Thank you very much. Um, so that's everything for today. Thank you for the chat. Thank you. Not quite sure how we ended up talking about coconut oil, but I guess when you talk about food, this one is bound to come up. Um, the thing about coconut oil is quite interesting because everyone is making it to be this perfect food to eat loads of. But as we now know, eating too much of anything, even the good thing, is not great. What we are looking always is variety. Something I've been paying a lot of attention to since talking to Trina Nutritious in one of our earlier episodes. I was sold on coconut oil too, and I still use it daily, but I don't use it anywhere near as much as I used to. The information about coconut oil I provide in my cookbook is true, but not complete. I've done a lot more reading since then and have learned a good deal about MCTs I didn't quite know back then. 
So if there ever was another edition or another book, this would be one of the first things I'd have to address. The website and article Liam mentioned is nutritionfacts.org and the article is called What about coconuts, coconut milk and coconut oil MCTs? If you wanted to look it up. It's actually a YouTube video article, but there is a rough transcription of it on the website too, so you can have a read instead. And similar information can be found in a Guardian article from July 2017 called Coconut Oil, Are the Health Benefits a Big Fat Lie? And this article references the research I was talking about, which was done at Cornell University Medical School. Not sure if I pronounce it right. And I think this is the research all the manufacturers and natural health companies used and continue using to misrepresent the findings. And something Nick Mancuso actually mentioned to me when we talked about the keto diet and based on that I started doing a little bit more digging and reading on coconut oil and MCTs. Basically the researchers found out that not all saturated fats are equal and some like MCTs or medium chain triglycerides if you like can actually be beneficial and MCTs were particularly found to be beneficial in weight loss. However What the natural food and health industry doesn't tell the common consumer is that coconut oil only contains about 10-15% to 15% of MCTs. And the rest are other saturated fats that can clog our arteries just as easily as an ostrich fry if we were to overdo it. The amount of coconut oil I was consuming for a period of time would probably do that job. So while all the health benefits of coconut oil that have not been properly researched yet but have been reported from different corners of the world may absolutely be valid and true, the truth also is that we shouldn't be eating jars of coconut oil on a weekly basis. I personally used to take about 40 grams, yes, 40, 40 grams of coconut oil a day at one point because I was so scared of other oils I don't have to tell you that this was a big mistake and completely insane and wrong. So learn from my mistake, guys, and use a variety, variety of oils. I still do think that it is probably the best one for frying if you must fry something. Uh, saying that, I recently done some reading on the virgin olive oil and now believe that this is also a kind of oil you could use safely at high temperatures. Quite contrary to my previous beliefs and knowledge, but I guess we're all learning all the time. Enough about coconut oil, uh, let's move on to some sweet potato pancakes. A recipe Liam has kindly shared with us. So, what you need for these? is 100 grams steamed sweet potato, two large eggs, two tablespoons of coconut oil, one teaspoon of honey, one large banana, vanilla extract or seeds from the pod, black pepper, ginger, and one teaspoon of coconut oil for the pan. Cube and steam the sweet potato and let it cool, then blend it with egg yolk, honey, coconut oil, banana, vanilla and black pepper and ginger. Then whisk the egg whites until they form peaks and fold them into the mix. This adds a bit of air and fluffiness to the mix. It's optional and you could just add the whole egg into the mix earlier if you want to. Heat a pan to a medium heat and grease it with the coconut oil. Cook a few minutes on each side. That sounds really yummy. It sounds like a really cool breakfast. Although I'd be tempted to use chia seeds soaked in spring water overnight in place of an egg to make it completely plant-based. So if you're vegan, um, you can try that. Just use about 6-7 grams per large egg. 
So you'd probably need about 14, 15 grams for this of chia seeds. Mill them and let them soak in a small bowl um, overnight in spring or filtered water. And then use the whole thing. It'll form like um, a jelly type of texture thing and it'll bind your mixture just like an egg would. After the interview, when I listened back to everything we recorded, I decided to ask Liam an additional question and I asked him for three of his top tips on how to fight the odds and common perceptions and become the successful and happy person you can be proud of. And here they are. Number one, stop worrying about common perceptions. That's easier said than done, isn't it? Liam said, I think the main and most important thing is to learn to stop worrying about common perception. How people see you is never as important as how you see yourself. If you want to become successful while staying happy and being proud of yourself, you need to do something you love and enjoy, where you feel you are helping others. Once you start to do this, you will gain success. I did what I loved for over eight years while people around me told me to get a real job as it wasn't going anywhere. Now those people come to me for advice. Number two, study. Study, study, study. The more you know about what it is, the more you can help the people you want to help. When it comes to study, my best tip is to find a mentor who has already done what you want to do. This is a really, really good advice. Liam talks about how he finds the people who can already do and are at the level that he wants to be at. It's such a great shortcut. And if he can do that, I think it's a brilliant strategy to achieving your goals far quicker. Number three, self-awareness. Become self-aware, practice meditation, keep check of your food intake and the exercise or lack thereof you are doing. Without keeping yourself right, you will end up burning yourself out. That's also a really good advice and so, so true. And this is really it. Remember, you can download our shared recipes from our public group page on Facebook called The Sweet Spot on a Farm, of course, or from my Instagram account with the same username. Keep checking in to see who the next guests are and don't be shy to ask questions. After all, this content is for you. And if you'd like to know anything, Drop me a line and we'll get your questions answered the next time. Have a great couple of weeks. Try some meditation. Be who you want to be. And more importantly, stay healthy. Until next time. Bye. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.